Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, God is one. I am the Good Shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Christ is risen, yet as you will see, between now and Christ's ascension, we will keep returning again and again to Jesus telling the disciples about his death. Here I lay down my life for the sheep. Next week, a little while, and you shall not see me. Then I go my way to him that sent me. And finally, I leave the world and go to the Father. That theme is consistent, although he also hints at the resurrection and the good that will come of it. There shall be one fold, one shepherd, and again a little while, and you shall see me because I go to the Father. Your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. And be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Christ is risen, so why do we keep returning to the cross? Why do we keep going back to an unimaginably horrific execution, a death considered somewhat taboo even to the Romans who were not known to blush over much with respect to the violence they needed to maintain control over their empire? Why? Because the cross is the way to life. Let's be clear, the only way to life. And what is the cross? To gain life, must you, must I, be physically nailed to a cross? No. But like Christ, we must freely lay down our life. And what does it mean to lay down our life? We are in a society that focuses on me, myself, and I. My right to do what I want, when I want, how I want, no matter who gets hurt along the way. You won't tell me what to do. Sometimes we're blind to the fact that we're hurting our own selves and others even when the activity is supposedly occurring among so-called consenting adults. But other times, the harm is self-evident. And yet all that matters is that I have my way. You probably have some sort of major crimes in mind right now, adultery, murder. But if that's where you stop, you aren't getting my point. You and I, we are selfish creatures. We harm ourselves and others, not only when we act in our self-interest, but when we fail to act in a way that supports that in a way that supports our own self-interest. In other words, when we fail to take action needed to intervene in a, in a wrong because we're afraid that we might get hurt. In confession, we ask forgiveness not only for the sins we have committed in thought, word, and deed, but also for those of omission. And for the record, yes, sin includes those lies that you tell where you told the truth but left out the remainder of what you knew would give a different perspective. According to us, that's still a lie. Includes the not acting when we could have defended the innocent, knowing that we might get hurt. Our world tells us that we must preserve ourselves. We're flooded with messages about taking care of ourselves first, self-care. And yes, as in nearly all things, there is balance. We don't need to be crazy commandos running into the line of fire without training and resilience. God doesn't want us to take our talent and bury it, but to make not just five, but ten talents more with it. And to do that, we do have to have an appropriate prudence, and we should, yes, take some degree of self-care. However, my point is that the goal of this life, of this eternity, 
is to let go of ourselves and to turn ourselves outward. We must let go of what we are being told by our secular society, that the most important person in this room, in the world, is me, me, me. We are not laying down our life when we're too lazy to get off the couch to help our spouse take out the garbage, when we're too lazy, we're, well, I'm sorry, when we're, we're not laying our, down our life when we're too engrossed in the television or social media or a game on our phone to engage with our family and friends. We're not laying down our life when we don't help our colleagues suffering an inappropriate remark at work. It's easy to just think of the big stuff when we think of sin, but sin, as we often note in the Orthodox Church, is a cancer. And cancer has its name because of the crab-like nature of it. It spreads like all those spindly legs and holds on tenaciously with its claws. You can cut out the body of the crab, but if you miss one of those legs, it will just grow back again. And those malignant legs are in all of us, in the seemingly more minor sins we commit each day. The things that you may not even realize are sins, because you become so accustomed to them. They just have become so ordinary. And if we stay that way, that is the devil's victory. In fact, that's how it all began, with something ordinary, just tasting a little fruit all the way back in the Garden of Eden. That's how it all began, by putting ourselves first. When we took of that fruit, after all, it was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and would make one wise. And thereby our eyes were opened. We knew we were naked. And it says we were afraid because we were naked. And what did we do? We put ourselves first. We made fig leaf garments and hid ourselves from God. We saw our innocence, our inherent goodness as something wrong. And when God asked us what we did, we passed the blame. First to Adam, at first Adam to his neighbor and wife Eve, and then Eve to the serpent, always putting ourselves first, and so on, until today. We can continue to put ourselves first. It started there in the garden, and it continues today. So what do we need to do to stop putting ourselves first? Well, first, I exhort you to open your eyes. Start to see the slightest ways that you miss the glory of God. The meaning behind the word sin, hamartia, is missing the mark, missing the bullseye. And who is our mark? Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Good Shepherd. And as you see those failures, don't become discouraged. Don't beat yourself up about them, but recognize them for what they are. Try not to ignore them as ordinary. But as the first signs of a serious disease, a spiritual and physical cancer in you that needs treatment and healing. Second, understand that one of our motivations for putting ourselves first is our own pleasure and resistance to suffering. But likewise, realize that when we ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we broke the world. We turned it upside down. Our world, our humanity is so messed up that the right thing feels bad. We all know it's good to help others. We all know we should be nice to our family, our friends, our spouses, our kids, our colleagues, and even the random person we meet on the street. We all hold in high esteem those who dedicate their lives to others, those who sacrifice to help this world be a better place. And yet, most of us do the opposite far too often. Why? Because our world is upside down. And Jesus is telling us through taking up his, through Jesus is telling us that by taking his cross and proving it so. Our God himself led the way to show us that we couldn't hear what we couldn't hear any other way than to see him do himself. That through dying, he could bring the defeat of sin and death. 
If Jesus, fully God and fully man, had not done that, could anyone believe it? It's so counter to everything the world tells us, not just today, but it was counter to the world expected what was hoped for in the first century when he walked this earth. And it was counter to everything that the world said the moment just after Adam and Eve bit into that faithful fruit. It's still so hard for us to believe, to understand, because if we're honest, it just doesn't fit. We think we, what we thought we knew before we met Jesus, it doesn't fit. But the good news is that Jesus is the good shepherd. He gives his life for us. He knows us, every one of us. He knows that we struggle because of the brokenness of this world and that he has never stopped chasing after us to save us from it, to show us another way. He went to the Father so that the Holy Spirit would come, an event that we will build toward in the coming weeks as we approach Pentecost, a life-giving spirit that fills us so that we can see and hold on to the real truth. He will unite us in one flock, but it's hard to hear that uniting voice through the world telling us to put ourselves first. And when we put ourselves first, there's no way to be united. Instead, we must listen to the Holy Spirit in us, pleading with us to move outside of ourselves, beyond ourselves, the love of God and neighbor. St. Peter today says, This is thankworthy if a man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongly. In other words, it's a good thing if we wrongly endure grief, um, suffering, because we're mindful of God. And we endure grief for God when we merely stop putting ourselves first. But the third and final issue is that we're afraid. Remember when Adam and Eve ate of that fruit, the first thing it says they felt after their eyes were opened was fear. And that fear led them to be more me-centered. Perhaps they saw the enormity of evil now, a fear that can be paralyzing, a paralysis that many of us surely felt in the years of this ongoing pandemic, a paralysis that many of us feel now as we see war break out in Eastern Europe, as we see all these things crumbling around us. Evil can seem so big that we're afraid to endure even a little grief to make things better. It can seem that the little things don't matter, but I'm here to tell you that they do. Each time we move out of ourselves and do something for our neighbor, even small, we do it for Christ. As Christ says to those on his right, Come thou, who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. The small things matter. They matter to Jesus. They matter to this world. Whatever you've done or did, no matter how seemingly small, all that good you did for Jesus. Whatever you did, no matter how small, helped beat back the central sin of selfishness, helped us to see that in the suffering of this world we experience there can be pleasure for others. It helped us to be closer to God and to be free from the lie that we are really suffering at all when we let go of ourselves. The lie that we, we suffer when we help others. It's just a lie. It's the lie of the devil. And when we do those little things, it further helps to unite us to our God who makes clear there is nothing, nothing to be afraid of in this world. Nothing. 
except of the darkness within us and our unwillingness to suffer in order to make light shine upon it and dispel it. So instead of eating of the tree of knowledge and good of good and evil and having our eyes opened and our hearts filled with fear, let us eat of the tree of life, the broken bread of our Lord's body and blood as the disciples did on the road to Emmaus and have our eyes opened to a new way of looking the world, as our sequence hymn said today. A world without fear, for Jesus has overcome the world. A world that's bigger than us. A world where our suffering should and is pleasurable if we can see it. And where we see, and not just the big decisions, but the little ones, a choice between sin and holiness, a choice between death and life, a choice between ourselves versus our God and neighbor. So may our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in unity with the life-giving Spirit, give us the strength to make the right choices, big or small. Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.